welcome back to Between the Lines Recovery. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. This is episode 30 of the podcast, and today I will be interviewing Mel Wingfield, a meth addict in long-term recovery. I have a feeling this episode is going to be decidedly above average. But before we get started, just a quick reminder for everyone uh, out there to rate, review, and follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or whichever street corner or dark alley you duck into to cop your podcast these days. We scored another review on Apple Podcasts last week from a guy going by the name of Blind Guy Joe who dropped the golden nickel on us, a five-star rating, and wrote, this podcast is about what's really real. Couldn't have said it better myself. Also, a couple of shout-outs are in order. Welcome to BTL listeners in Schamburg, Illinois, and Waipahu, Hawaii. Uh, Obviously, I picked those two today because of how much fun they are to say. Thank you for showing up, Schamburg. And mahalo, Waipahu. Keep coming back. Well, that should just about take care of all the necessary housekeeping. Time to get right into the guts of the episode. This is the good news. The good news is brought to you by OnStage. OnStage is a theater outreach and audience development program in colleges in and around Minneapolis-St. Paul. OnStage uses teaching artists to facilitate in-class discussions about relevant social, political, and cultural topics that bubble up in plays currently running in local theaters. What an incredibly worthwhile mission it is. To learn more about it, or to make a donation to the cause, check them out at onstagemn.org. That's onstagemn.org. Once again, the good news story this week comes from Michigan, the big mitten state just across the lake from where I'm sitting today. Michigan Advance is the name of the news source that reported that nearly 850,000 Michiganders had at least one conviction wiped off their criminal records. The automatic expungement process began last Tuesday and uh, the bipartisan clean slate legislation, as advocates are calling it, uh, wiped clean a range of convictions after a defined waiting period. The goal behind the law is to help a whole bunch of ex-cons find good paying jobs and affordable housing. Well, it should go without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway, this one really hit home for me. I have lost countless job offers over the last six or seven years once that background check went through and it's incredibly disheartening when that happens um but i have a few hooks in the water right now and i'm feeling good about one of them coming through soon if i'm right you better bet your ass that it will be featured in the good news that week anyway that was the good news now let's get to the interview already Okay, my guest today is Mel Wingfield. I just met Mel about 
five, 10 minutes ago, but I'm excited to yeah. hear all about the uh, wild ride he's been on through uh, active addiction and into healthy recovery. Um, this much I do know about Mel, though. Mel is a fine actor. You may remember him from some uh, hilarious Doritos commercials or from a very serious wheelease.com spot featuring some, <laughs> scantily, featuring some scantily clad biker babes. But yeah. my deep dive Google search also uncovered a real gem. Uh, I'm a true crime guy. And uh, Mel was in an episode of the Sleeper one season only true crime series, Stranger Among Us. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Uh, Mel was uh, addicted to meth and he's a huge Michael Jordan fan. Those are not related things. Um, <laughs> and he's the father of two young sons. I was uh, more into the nose candy myself, the booger sugar. Uh, Florida snow but we're in the same ballpark with that I think and I have lived with a sometimes unhealthy obsession with MJ for most of my life uh, and I also have two young sons I think we're going to be friends forever Mel but for the sake of maintaining our healthy recoveries we should probably avoid being in the same room together for too long without the proper supervision <laughs> and oh yeah Four years ago, Mel was living in a bush, but I'll let Mel tell you the rest of his story. So without further ado, let me introduce you all to Mel. Welcome to the podcast, Mel. How are you feeling today? I'm, I'm feeling fantastic. And, and one thing, Jay, is that it's it's everybody knows me now as Mel TV Live. And if you Google Mel TV Live, you'll see why. And the Mel TV Live thing kind of was born during homelessness for me to kind of keep connected to the outside world because you're really isolated. And uh, a lot of the times I didn't have a cell phone, but whenever I did, I'd go get those Obama phones. Mm -hmm. Thanks to your, your, your great Senator Obama from Chicago. That's right. He, right from the South side. Those were few, you know, those were here and there. And, and, and I, and I started doing Mel TV live. So I'll get more into that later, but I'm doing fantastic. Um, you know, I've been off the street since June 15th of 2019 and, um, you know, I, you mentioned the booger sugar, the, 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 you know, the, the, the white lady, the white devil. That's and right. uh, that's kind of that's kind of what I started with. I mean, obviously, it started with alcohol and then yeah. gravitated to alcohol plus cocaine. Yeah. And then when I moved to California, the meth was very prevalent and did the same thing as cocaine, but, you know, a, a, a lot more of a greater capacity. And so cheaper. the meth was cheaper and very prevalent and uh smoking it does something different to you that was the road i went down and that road took me down to um from originally starting with a party and all the way into the streets um of venice beach and, right. and other parts of los angeles for about a year and a half and then um i i just took a couch i moved into a bush in the pacific palisades i lived in that bush for three months sober and i went to aa every morning and then I would take the nine bus to Santa Monica and walk to the U-Haul and day labor, you know, just to ask people if they right. needed help that were renting trucks. And I would go back to the couch at night. And for three weeks out of that three months, I did something that I tell people I did something I don't even know if I could do with a car. <laughs> I got up at 6 a.m. and I took a bus to a train to another bus to the social services work program on La Cienega Boulevard. And I sat in there Monday through Friday, three, three weeks for three weeks. And I put my resume in the Indeed job board. And I actually got one job for $13 an hour to another. And you know, uh, and then I, I I slowly worked my way off the street. So three months three months after proving myself, people in Alcoholics Anonymous, 
that I really meant it this time. Right. After torching bridges for so for so long, you know, um, I, I really meant it this time. I was going to stop the, the meth in the street life. They gave me a scholarship into a sober living and four months after having a roof over my head and that sober living, I had four jobs, a brand new car. I think that's so great. And also the way you talk about it, how honest you are about that. You know, that didn't mean from that day on, I, I was, uh, you know, clean as a whistle. That's right. That's you know, right. You, you mentioned that, you know, uh, you thought for a while you could keep drinking as long as you weren't doing the sure. bed. And then, but, you know, uh, like most of us, uh, a, a beer just uh, brings the walls down, uh, inhibitions down, which is just going to lead you to your drug of choice. And then you said, you know, that even that, uh, that happened to you a little bit in the beginning. And, you know, I meet people who, who get sober that first time and uh, never look back and never had a relapse or whatever from that moment. And, and good for them. I'm, happy, I'm very happy for them. That's not the norm. And so I think that some people are ashamed to say that in the beginning it was, you know, there were some bumps in the road. So I was happy to hear you say that on your on your TikTok and when you were talking about your kind of anniversary coming out of, coming out of the bush. And, 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 you know, that's why when people ask me, what's my sobriety date? I don't know the exact date because, me neither. Um, you know, because I, I slipped up a lot. I mean, you know, and, and, and that's and, and, and you know, I was uh, like, wow, what, what a piece of garbage I am when I did it. I just really beat myself up because yeah. here I'd done something that is hard to do. Yeah. Um, and I worked away off the streets and then and now I'm, I'm, I'm dabbling in it in, in a life that's going to put me right back there. It, it was very, very, you know, devastating to me. But I just I kept punching and I kept fighting and I kept working. And, you know, you know, you, you, you know, you're a Chicago guy. You know, you're in a big city full of crime. I'm in a big city full of crime. And, and you know, I'm a working man and I'm a man of the people. You know, I'm out here working a, a blue collar job every day and uh, I'm proud of it. And I and I love my homeless brothers. You know, I want to yeah. I want to I want to make sure that I mention the fact that I I want to help I want to help these people. I, I want right. to help these people, you know, find the same path that I found, and go down that same road. I just want to make sure that people know that. Look, I I you know I would love to help what I can, but at the end of the day, as you know, Jay, you know you got to help yourself. It's got to come from yes. within you. No yes. sober living, no treatment facility, yes. no meeting. It's going to help you. It just, it's not going to be, you're not going to walk through the doors and turn into a different person. When people are like, well, why don't we clean the streets up? Why don't they? Because people in the streets, they need to find something inside of them. And, and when you, and when it's easily available. So if you're an addict, so I'm a, co a cocaine addict and I drank when I did cocaine and whatever. I used to binge drink my whole life, but uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm an alcoholic, but they sell booze at every 7-Eleven and every every store everywhere. And everyone is drinking it at dinner and everywhere I go. If that was if people were chopping lines of cocaine at, at Thanksgiving dinner instead of drinking red wine, or if I could buy cocaine at 7-Eleven, I would I don't know if I could have done it. You know, like yeah, yeah. having it so available and cheap, I mean alcohol is the number one, obviously, makes it for an addict. It's not like for a regular person who's trying not to drink it too much anymore. But for an addict, if every, everywhere you go, there it is. That it's, that's like, a, it's asking a lot of someone who is, has a disease of the, of the mind that, that is obsessed with getting that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, and we're not, we're not getting much help. Um, you know, I, I mean, listen, you know, we're, we're, we're really being tested as human beings right now, you yeah. know, because it seems like, you know, like Dr. Drew said, 
he says Los Angeles doesn't have a homeless problem. It has a drug problem. Yeah. And I think that that is very true. And we're being tested as human beings right now because everything is so readily available, you know, and, uh, and, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't seem like, and the government's in, in a lot of disarray right now, and there's a lot sure. of dissension among the government. So it doesn't seem like people can agree upon anything to, to get anything done, really. So, you know, it sounds like the borders are wide open and, uh, and, and the drugs just keep coming in. And, I, you know, the la- I, I haven't heard much about the DEA lately. I don't know what they're up to. But <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and, you're, and that's, something, that's something you would be hearing about it, uh, where, where in L.A. Uh, you should be hearing you would think you should be here. Yeah, yeah you right. would think. And, and, uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, but it, it's just everywhere. And so, so I, I don't, yeah, I don't know, know and, where and we're I, headed. It's a, uh, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, I listened to a bunch of other podcasts and I read a lot about uh, what's going on in LA with the homeless situation and the, before the pandemic and then around the pandemic. And then, you know, all kinds of like you know, well-intentioned moves that didn't work. Um, and then a real disagreement among some people out there that are really, I'm hearing about it, you know, both sides of it. The truth is there's no, no city, no place in America has, has the real answer for it. Um, but uh, a huge percentage of, of people that are living on the streets are, are addicts. And to uh, a huge percentage. I mean, when I when I was down in Venice, yeah, four years ago, it was probably ninety five right. percent of the people that I knew. Um, there was a very small percentage of people that weren't, but they weren't down there very long. Right. They'd come and they you'd never right. see and them. Who knows, and that five percent could have some other kind of mental untreated mental illnesses and all kinds of things yeah. going on too. And so then yeah. I hear people say, "Well, you know, hey." get up, go get a job. Right. So you did, right. You, you did. And you're yeah. not the first person to have done it. Right. Uh, no, get up, go get a job. Like, you know, but that's a sick person. And, and now, it, you know, it, now, now that I know what it, what it feels like and how hard it was for me to get out of that seven years ago. Uh, and I had all the resources in the world, you know, I had, yeah. all, I had a great life before this and I had all the resources in the world and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. What if you lived your whole life without, without those resources, education, connections, family, all those things, and, and then you get this disease, then you're, and, then you're, and then you're stuck, and then and the, the snowball keeps rolling, and you don't, and now you have no resources to get out. You could talk about it in a political way and go Republican right. versus Democrat, liberal Democrat versus Republican. But at the end of the day, we we all got to come together and and come and come up with a plan to really help these people. Yes, human beings. To, man, to, to know, yes, human beings, and let them know that there's that there's going to be something provider for them. Uh, you know, it, it's it's there's so many layers to it, yeah. and there's so many different ways to look at it, and and uh, and there's so many different. Uh, you know, avenues that you could go sure. down to try to figure yeah, it think, out. And, and, and just... The one thing that always sticks with me that like I want people to know, because, you know, I, I've never been homeless, uh, but I am a drug addict. So I do know this, uh, what that is like. The one like misconception that I think eats at me more than anything is that it's a it's an issue of willpower, that drug addicts are weak people. You know how hard it is to be a drug addict? We're, we're working pretty hard. It's not willpower. All of us tried everything everything yeah. to, to try to stop um it's not like hey just get off your head it's not lazy people or people don't want to work no you know, there's lazy drug addicts just like there's lazy lawyers there's, there's lazy people everywhere but it isn't an issue of your your character 
or your your willpower. And what you need is help. You know, you need yeah. help. You know, let's get off this topic. We could talk about this one forever. Um, I, you know, but we we jumped right into uh, you know, kind of later in life. But where, what, what's your story like? Where, you know, your your history with drugs and alcohol. Um, like, how did it start? Your relationship with it, and when did it get bad? And you know, what was life like before this years you're telling me about being homeless? Um, well, it started in North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I I was a big party guy. And uh, I was making some good money in Charlotte. And, um, you know, I would go out about three days a week and uh, and drink. And we'd hit all the clubs and the bars, just like the kids do on the weekends in their, you know, in their mid-20s. And uh, we started dabbling a little bit of cocaine. And then I, you know, started making more money and, you know, more money, more free time. And, you, you know, I don't mind Devil's Playground. This became a routine all the way up until when I moved out here to California in 2008. So I've been out here 15 years now. And when I moved out here to California in 2008, it was uh, I got introduced to methamphetamine, and then it was uh, it was just kind of off to the races for a short period of time, and then I got sober for four years. Four right. years I got sober, and I got married. I had two kids, and then one day I walked out the door, and uh, relapsed, and uh, it was game over at that mm-hmm. point, you know. And and I and I knew, um, I knew that I was going it was going to end badly. Yeah. I knew it was going to either end by death or jail. I didn't know extreme poverty and homelessness was going to come, but I knew something bad was coming and there was nothing I could do to pull myself out of it. Yep. You know, yep. you mentioned, you mentioned resources, you mm-hmm. know, and, and for me, it was constantly having resources. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're a drug addict, you become really good at, you know, your own little, you know, your own little Ponzi scheme world, you know, Robin yeah. to pay Paul constantly and you become really good at it. You know, you're calling up friends and relatives, send me 200. And so, yep. you know, and we takes, have lots of them. Like, it sounds like you and I both, yeah. we, we got into yeah. that world when it, when it hit us, I'm, I was 40 years old when it, and then when I had, when I hit bottom, I have grew up and lived in, in a way I went to school and it's a city I've lived in forever. Um, uh, and I have all the resources and connections that a person could have. So when it was time for me to need help or need anything, I had a million people to call or places or yeah. to go for bad and for good. So yeah. that's it's of what you're saying. It's interesting. I've actually never thought of it like that. The resources and connections that we had, people like you and me, that was a bad thing for us in the beginning, early on in our addiction. Yeah. We had a lot of bridges to burn. Some people don't have any bridges. Yeah. A lot of people don't have any bridges and, and, and I had a lot and I, and I was always, you know, I, I was always calling back to people in North Carolina and whoever I could, you know, couch surf with here. Mm-hmm. And uh, there wasn't as many resources for me here in California because this is where, not where I'm born and raised, but right. um, certainly I learned how to work it, work the system, um, you know, and I was, uh, and I was, I was, and, and, and I, it wasn't like I just walked out of the house one day and became homeless. It, it happened gradually. You know, you're living in your car. There was a warrant out for my arrest for stealing a car. I dressed up like a valet parking attendant at the Soho house in Malibu and stole a $125,000 Range Rover. Oh, you and really went I, for it. I got so meth paranoid that I turned myself in the next day. So <laughs> to quote Rick James from the, the Spell Show, yeah. meth is a hell of a drug. It'll make you Dressed steal a like car a and guy. make you turn yourself in for stealing a car. <laughs> turn myself in. And, and the cops were looking at me like, what is wrong with you, dude? Nobody does this. You know, like, 
I the, the, the judge of the DA said, you know, this guy's was really woo whacked and he, no damage done to the car. So they said go to they court ordered me to rehab and they dropped yeah. the grand theft auto, auto charges. So because I turned it back in, no harm no right. foul. And the owners didn't want to press any charges. And now I found that kind of weird. But anyway, I um, you know, was um was uh in a horrible state and and obviously and uh you know and I, so I was living in my car and then my car got towed and I wasn't gonna I, got, I thought it got stolen. I didn't know yeah. what happened, so I couldn't go get it because I'd worn out for my rest. So, right. and then and then I ended up in the streets, and so I never got the car back. So I went from living the, the apartment to the car to the streets, and then I managed to scrounge up twelve hundred dollars from you know Robin Peter to pay Paul, and I, yeah. I lived in a van for a while, and then the van got towed, and uh, then you know when I was really in the streets, it was. Uh, I was couch surfing a little bit until everybody had had enough of me. And then the yeah. drug dealers, I knew where they all were in dirty hotels around town. Yeah. So I would go to these dirty hotels and they finally stopped letting me in. And and I would go into these hotels and just drive them crazy and smoke all their drugs. And then, you know, they would say, get the fuck, get out of here. Don't come back. You know? Yeah. And, and then finally I started using this trick to where I would get a girl and I would have her go to the hotel room door and knock. And they'd look out the peephole and they'd see a girl and they're like, oh, well, let's open the door up for the girl. And then I'd bust through the door. I'm back. That's, and was, that is a, <laughs> just about the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They fell for it every time. Yeah, and so I'd say, I'm not leaving until you give me a rock of dope, you know. So they'd yeah, give me a yeah. rock and then I'd take off. But I hate to romanticize. That's another thing I hate to do. Yeah, no, but no, you no, seem yeah, like no. kind of a cousin we, guy and a funny guy, you know, and yeah. – uh, and, and, Sounds like you might have taken some classes at uh, Second City, possibly. I have not. I have not. But uh, thank yeah, you. Not, okay. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> uh, I love Second City. But yeah, but I'll say this, though. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad you reminded me of that. Because sometimes I forget when I'm doing the podcast that it isn't just two addicts talking to each other. It's people listening who might not be, might not get it. I never laughed as hard as I've laughed at, at rehab. And in the AA meetings, it's gallows humor. We, we're, we're laughing at it because we know how ridiculous it is. And ridiculous, yeah. it, it's almost like laughing the shame away from some of it, too. We know it's, yeah. you know, so that's, I'm glad you brought it up. It's like giving me a chance here to just remind anybody listening, like, we're joking about some of this stuff. We don't think it's like, cool. We both had kids. We had kids at home. Yeah. With all these stories. It's horrible. It's awful. It's horrible. It's horrible. But if you can't laugh about yourself, Hey, we're in a good place now. We're doing doing the right things. If you can't look back, you know, with other people that are on the same page and laugh. Yeah, and, and I and I always say that my sense of humor really helped me survive the streets. If it wasn't for my sense of humor, I would not have survived the streets, yes. and I probably wouldn't have gotten out of homelessness uh, because it it kind of kept me a glasses. The glass is always half full. You know, and so it, it's, it, but yeah, it's, it's not like I'm romanticizing in a good way. Like, uh, you know, it, it was great times. It was not, it was horrible. And, yeah, and the things that I did to myself and, 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 and to society and, and not really, you know, and when you're doing, you know, you gotta, there's a whole trickle down effect of, of being a, a loser drug addict, you know, it's like, yeah. you're not, you're not helping anybody, you know, and that's, and that's really what I kind of, I came to full circle moment of my life or 180 moment, whatever you want to call it, that I, I know I was born and to be put on this planet to be there to help others. My story, I, I'm living proof of the fact that if you put the pipe down and willing to work, you can get off the streets and change your life. Right. And, you know, I want to help others try to do that. And, 
you know, everybody always asks me, well, why do you drive Uber? Why, do you, why don't you get another job making more money? I said, well, because Uber gives me the flexibility to cut the Uber off and go coach my kids, who I see yeah. every day. I couldn't see for a while. And through coaching their teams and their rec center teams, um, you know, uh, we, I, I coach other kids too, and I help other kids. And I see other kids whose fathers are, are not a bit available because they're, they're, you know, they have yeah, different yeah, jobs than I do. And so I, when I see that, yeah, I see that. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's bring this kid into our, uh, into our mix. I just started this boxing program, which kind of came up kind of <laughs> out of nowhere. I, I, well, my two kids were beating each other up a lot. Yeah, so I said, let's just get, let's get boxing gloves. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we bought 16 ounce gloves and headgear. And all that, and we've been bringing in some other kids, and, and I posted on TikTok. So that's another thing. When you Google my name and you follow me on social media, Mel TV Live, Mel Wingfield, you'll see all the stuff that I do. It's all very positive. And, and if you if you'd have told me four years ago no that way. I'd be broadcasting, and I, and I you know I broadcast all these baseball games up here. I just right. go I do Instagram Live, Facebook Live, and I and I mount the camera behind a home plate. So it's become kind of a thing. It's really funny. Yeah. Everybody goes Mel TV Live. They all see me come down to the field. Mel TV Live's here. He's doing our game. So it's very funny, and it's and it's become taken on a life of its own. It's kind of funny, but um, you know, if you'd have told me four years ago that I'd be up here at this park at this rec center doing this, I would have said, you know, you're crazy. I, I'm just hoping that I'll see my kids before they're 18, you know, before yep. they can make the choice, you know, I, you yep. know, because I don't know if I'll ever see them again. And and I, I, but at the same time, I said, I said, I, I think I would have probably said, you know what, you're right. I'll I'll be doing that. I'll be doing that because I always felt like. There was two sides of me in the street. Yeah. You know, you flip-flop, you flip-flop because you're always a high and, and you, you say to yourself, you know, no, I'm going to get back. And then then people remind you quickly that you're never getting off the streets. I mean, you know, there was not a whole lot of love on the street, no, not a whole lot of unity. And that yeah. kind of always bothered me and blew my mind. And that's why I left Venice Beach and moved into a couch in the bushes. Because I said, guys, I'm out of here. You'll never see me again. And they laughed. They said, yeah, you'll be back soon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, misery does love company. I mean, and like I say, I, 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 I don't want to bag on or throw anybody under the bus uh, that's, that's homeless or that I live with homeless because I still love them. And I, and I want to help them. For most you know? people, it sounds like a, 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 a great existence. And there's a reason, probably a, a million underlying reasons why there you didn't find like that this like warm community all the time there. There's people who have been uh, burned. People who have seen uh, people try to get out and come back or die. They don't have a whole lot of uh, positive stories of people like the guy that was down there with them last week who now is doing what you're doing. You know, you're you're yeah. You're yeah. And so when they yeah. you're like, I'm going to do it, <laughs> they're like, yeah. The last 100 guys who slept there said the same thing. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we've got a big problem in L.A. with the housing situation. and, and But we have a new mayor. And, uh, you know, we'll see what, what she brings to the table, Karen Bass. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens with her. She's just new into her into her term so right. we'll see what goes on i mean you know i i see the city every day because i drive uber you know right. and i haven't seen i haven't seen much um change yet but it's still early in her yeah, sure. in her term sure. of mayor so we'll see I mean, she, she obviously you know got on that political platform of i'm going to clean the streets up and i'm going to do this about the, the streets and all that yeah. so we'll see if she delivers um yeah. you know i i know that the mayor the mayor the mayorship doesn't have a whole lot of power in California. It's historical the mayor gets blamed for everything bad doesn't get credit yeah. for good stuff. And the truth is, the, the older I get, and now living in the city and so the suburbs for the last several years, I've learned that the mayor is like a, it's a, it, 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 unfortunately, a face. It's not like they're they're not delivering the promises because they they lied. They thought they could do it. They get there and they can't. 
the alderman's crooked, the city is broke, whatever it is. It, it, you can't just go, okay, now I'm the mayor. I'm going to do all those things. City of Chicago, one of the notorious corrupt, you know, political it's cities the in the world. I mean, you had the, da the dailies with, uh, you know, Al, Al Capone, yes. you know, back, you know, so they've deep rooted, you know, and oh, so yeah. I mean, it's, deep rooted it's, corruption corruption in Chicago. Tradition. It's tradition. So in Chicago, it's kind of like, hey, I got a guy who can get this over here. That's kind of our thing. You use your connections. It's a little bit shady. You got to get cut some quarters. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I want I want to uh, I, I mentioned it briefly there real quick, but because uh, it's something that uh, you know that I have been dealing with for for seven years, and and things keep getting better and better. So my kids are about to be fifteen and twelve. How how old are your boys? They're 10 and 11. The 11-year-olds get ready to be 12. So. Yeah, okay. So uh, how have you, like, I know you've thought about it a lot, and I know this is obviously something that you that you are dealing with on an everyday basis. These are almost teenagers. How are you talking to them about your experience with addiction uh, and everything else, but, but especially with, about drugs and alcohol, and usually um, there's somebody else in our family before us uh, who had something like this, and if, if, you're, if your dad was an addict or an alcoholic, then uh, you are way more likely, whether it's a, a yeah. you know, a genetic or, or or environmental or whatever, that scares the shit out of me. And I'm also scared of handling it wrong. Uh, so I'm curious, dad to dad of, of, of two sons here, uh, how do you talk to your boys about it if you do? Well, they know all about it because, uh, you know, I did this interview in the neighborhood. Um, I, I just did this interview to tell the truth about my truth about homelessness and uh you know so the, 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 it's a lot of people know my story in the neighborhood and uh and the bush that i lived in is very very close to where they they lived they live they they, they live now so i i drive them by there and they I, my story is well known i'm i wear my heart on my sleeve i'm very transparent right now they're at a stage where they're like why don't you do drugs dad it's evil drugs are evil we're yeah. never going to do drugs and i'm sitting there going well you know at 12, 11, 10, 11, 12 years old, you're, you're in that mindset of like, oh, you know, yeah. so, yeah, right. you know, your, your, your kids go through a stages of where like right now they're, they're at that young age where drugs are evil and they're never going to do drugs. They're never going to do anything bad. Yep. But, you know, there'll come a time when they, you know, probably take a token of joint or whatever. And it, it all starts from there and drink some white claws, which is like another thing. I mean, they're drinking white claws. What happened to the Coors Light? White, get, white get rid What's of the, the gateway drug? White claw. That's my mama didn't raise me to drink no white claw boy no. so anyway I, you know so I, I i tell them look you know you're gonna you know you want to mess around with all that you know i i don't really talk to my kids about it as much they know my story they know i was homeless right. they know drugs put me into homelessness because it hasn't really come up yet because they're not yes. quite at that age yeah but um i tell the other kids they're 14 15 16 that i yeah. know um i tell them look this is what happened to me i, I know that y'all are drinking a little bit you're doing the white claw thing, you know, you're smoking on some vape marijuana pens, yeah. but I, you know, you can mess around all you want, but look where it put me. I mean, look what, do, look what drugs did to me. And, and you, and you would never look at it when I tell people my story, when they get in my Uber, um, you know, cause it says, ask me about my story on my profile. And some people ask me and I tell them my story and they're like, wow, I would have never looked at you and expected that story to come out of your mouth. And so, you know, drugs don't discriminate. So no. anybody can end up homeless. And, and you know, I have a lot of a lot of friends of mine that are, that, are, that are rich, have a lot of family money. And they always come up to me and they say, you know what, dude, I, I know your story. And I, I would have never been able to do what you did. You know, if it wasn't for my family money, I would be homeless and I would never have gotten off the streets. But I think I always tell them that's not true because your survival instincts kick in. Absolutely and, right. and, you know, 
we're capable of a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah, I used to tell people, people would say it, and I would watch it happen. So I was a, I was a high school teacher for 15 years. I And for five of those years, I taught in like a, you know, inner city tough school in Chicago where most of the kids were poor. Most of the kids were going through some really hard stuff. And I would tell them right to their face, I couldn't do what you're doing, man. I couldn't do it. I'm weak. I'm not as tough as you are. There's no way. And they would say, uh, you don't know. You don't know. If, if it happened to you, maybe you would. And then it's like, you know, yeah. where I got, I see my all my friends go through stuff. They lose kids. Their kids die. You know, I'm like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Their wife dies. Whatever. Something else happens horrible in people's lives. I go, I couldn't do it because I had nothing in my life that prepared me for it. I lived a smooth life. My dad, yeah. at 70 years old, my dad got sick and died. And that's when my, my addiction like uh, spiraled out of control. And that threw me off the tracks. It went really bad. And I was at the bottom going, okay, I'll tell my mom I'm going to rehab. and I'm trying hard, but I know I'm going to die. I'm never going to make it back. I'm never going to see my kids again. I'm never going to get a real job again. My whole life is ruined. I pretended like I believed in myself, but I did not. <laughs> I did not believe it at all. And, and, and you and I and, and lots of other people that we did. We made it from that point where we really felt no fucking way. Totally hopeless. Yeah. And you yeah. look like me. People on the, uh, uh, listening can't can't see us. We're, you know, almost 50 year old white guys. Uh, white like guys. Playing golf together right now. And so yeah. you know, often I hear what you just said. Uh, oh, I would have never expected it from you. I don't think you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm telling you. That's why I wrote a book about it. That's why I'm doing a podcast about it. That's why I want to talk about it as much as I can, because it isn't a problem with a certain group of people or certain kind of person. But who do you expect it from? Ask that. Who, who, who would you expect? Tell them to, to uh, you know, describe the person, <laughs> what they look like. It's not good. And I think it's important for people to know that everybody, everyone listening knows someone or many people addicted to drugs or alcohol just like we all know someone who died of cancer who's got cancer right now and you know another thing jay is is that there's far greater there's far greater men and women than you and i could ever be that are out there in those streets there's absolutely. far smarter people than you and i could ever be that are out there in those streets absolutely. and they're still out there you know and and and, and they you know, it's like one gets off and one goes on. And Absolutely. It's like I the, am no you better. You never know who it's going to be, you know? And a whole lot of it has to do with luck, you know, chance and luck. The right moment, right time, True. right place. Think of all the times. Again, with only knowing this little piece of your story, I know from that piece that there's many times you could have died before any of that happened. You know, many times, could, many, times many times, many times. Not, not, I, mean, not I, I had, I had, I had uh, uh, two guys. Two guys had guns on me one night. Then I had one guy with a gun on me another night. Then I had a knife to my throat, my jugular vein. So there was three really close calls there. And, uh, you know, I, I talked my way out of it uh, somehow, yeah. some way. And some other people stepped in when the two guys had guns on us yeah. that one night. But, um, you know, uh, you know, and, and it, that, that leads to me. When you brought the word luck, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. That's true, you too, know, the, man. The, 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 the more you practice something, the luckier you get. But I'm putting myself out there to let these people get in my car, to take those journeys with each one of them. And you never know who you're going to meet. And yeah. you never know what kind of luck will come your way 
from each rider that gets in that car. Yeah, I mean, it might, learn, come in, it might come in the form. Of, it might come in the form of more money. It might come in the form of a bigger tip from one of them, sure. or it might come in the form of a connection down the road that yeah. will pay off in some and way. You shape, might or learn form. something from them, and they might, you might learn something right. from you. You can have an impact on their life. They can have an impact on your life. Every interaction you, that you have with another person, you know, is, is that chance. And now, whenever I find myself in those moments, like, oh, this sucks, right? Because my life, in some ways sucks compared to the way it was seven years ago still i'm, I'm still fighting back but yeah I, know, oh, I was in cook county jail seven years ago cook county jail is a place that <clears> i don't <throat> want to ever be and i think about it yeah and so when i'm like yeah oh, man i don't want to be driving this uber i'm not driving uber i can't because i was in cook county jail <laughs> but yeah. uh i go oh my god it takes me a minute sometimes to go hey wake up idiot you yeah lucky you're lucky. Yeah. You You're lucky. Yeah. Don't take things for granted. You know, when you've been somewhere that low, and it sticks with you, and that's a good thing. The, the part that sticks with you because it reminds you when it's when it's past. Uh, don't go there again. And what you got right yeah. now, it's not like you know you, the picture that you painted for yourself last. You know, when you were a kid, maybe. Uh, but it's really great. <laughs> it's really great. Which leads me to segue into the uh, pull a word out of the blue book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Grateful, be grateful. Just because your job might suck, you better go to that job anyway. Glass is always half full. Do a good that good good job because one good job begets you another good job. And if you're showing up working hard, the luckier you're going to get, or who knows what could happen. But if you don't put yourself out there, you're not giving yourself a chance to get lucky and be grateful. You know, yeah, so that, that to me, that's the that's the the biggest gift that i've got from from the program and from my recovery is uh gratitude for 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 everything i feel like i'm i feel so grateful all day long for little things and, and, and little things and big things but also what comes with that what which is hard for me is i have no tolerance for people who complain and i have two young teenage sons who complain about it, who complain all the time and everything I, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and they have everything they do have everything <laughs> and, uh -huh, uh -huh. i'm gonna take them down to cook county jail to do a little walkthrough <laughs> well that's you know they do and they do those scared straight programs and stuff yeah. like that all the time it doesn't ever seem i don't know how much it works or not well, I, I, I think, think it, it kind of does in some way watch kids get scared which is which is, which is kind of sick uh, all right well we're, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like i could talk to you talk to you forever but i want to get to um i guess right now if you had to just on the spot say like what's the most important lesson you've learned through your like a journey back into recovery out of that dark place stay consistent consistency consistency in life you know um find a routine and be consistent about your routine and stay with that uh routine and and stay consistent and, you know, positive, positive, you know, something popped up on TikTok about Russell Wilson had a guy named Trevor, Mo, Trevor Mawa, who, who was with him from his very first days in the NFL all the way up. And Trevor Mawa was wrote a book and you can look this guy, Trevor Mawa, everything positive, nothing negative. Yeah. And Russell Wilson was without Trevor this year at Denver because Trevor died of a brain yeah, tumor. Very sad. Russell Wilson. And, uh, and it, it didn't have a very good year, but it was his first year without Trevor. Yeah, that's right. But this got Trevor. So, so basically getting, you know, uh, the point I'm trying to make is stay positive. You know, if, you know, I tell people this all the time, too. I spent a year and a half in the streets. I don't do hate and I don't do drama. 
you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, now some people in the neighborhood of the Palisades might be like, that guy's full of drama, but it's that <laughs> I, if positivity creates drama, then I'm full of drama. drama because, like, a, like a fun play. Yeah, it's a different kind of drama, I think. But I mean, there's just some funny things that have happened with some with some other fathers coaching sports and stuff oh, like sure. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, just, yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're, and so, also, so, you and I, so. we're used to, especially with uh, being addicts of, of stimulants, we, our, our bar for, like, what's exciting and fun, like, what, what gets our dopamine, like, a level that we got to get to to be happy, we need a little something. We need excitement. Other stuff is, that's exciting to people is kind of boring for us because our, our brain has, you know, been wired this way. And so that means, you know, we like to mix it up, but you can mix it up in a healthy Fun way that doesn't end sure, up yeah, yeah. sleeping in a bush with a knife to your neck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and, and another thing is, right. I mean, I, you know, people say, and I, and I tell, I tell, I, I got off the phone with a friend of mine this morning who's going through it. And I said, dude, you just got to stop drinking. His problem is alcohol. You got to stop. Once you stop everything and you really start getting on the right path, no. Nobody can touch you. Nobody can touch you. All that PTSD and those paranoid shadow people that live in front right. of you and that live in your head and the weird numbers that come up on your phone and the people that friends yep. on social media. Oh, I none know. of that's going to bother that. you anymore because you can't you can't be touched once you get sober. Once you're doing the right thing, but, you're going. Yeah, to, yeah. You're making an honest dollar. You know, you're doing the right thing in life and you're you're positive every day and you're just you're you're staying consistent in your mind yep. and your business. You're staying in your lane. Nobody can touch you. You know, and, and I tell people that too. So so you know. There's a there's a lot of ways to shred to shed the demons and to get the cobwebs out yeah. and and stay sober, stay consistent, you know, work hard right. and uh, and stay positive. Those those are the like really two of my biggest things are I, doing a routine and sticking with it every day that, that has really helped me and being positive. Like even when it's hard and it's it is because it's it, it it works. It's contagious and if you only say good things, you yep. say positive things. Uh, if you don't complain and you just make a gratitude list and do those things, it, and that, that's part of my routine, <laughs> you know, the two, those two things yeah. together. And eventually it just makes you a positive person, even when things are tough. That's right. Uh, and, and, and find the silver lining. Find the silver the, lining. Something bad one, just happened. Somebody said, there's a silver lining. There's always a silver lining. Yeah, there's always one. Well, uh, Mel, it's been just really, really great talking to you. We're going to have to make this one like, uh, I come back. Uh, you may have to be my first return guest sometime because uh, I feel like I would we're, we're just we're just getting started. Um, we'll get we'll get to talking about Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, where they're oh. headed, and you know. Now you're gonna get you just talk yourself out of a, a an invite coming back. We talk about the Bears. And... <laughs> you know, like I, listen, you might not have to deal with me much longer. We'll see. I'm sure one I, more year, and then you know, I don't I, know. I don't know. I'm a sucker, a, a Chicago sports fan, where I always think. Every year that my my teams are going to win the win the championship, win the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, yeah. game two worse. And the Bears have done it to me. I was ten or eleven when they won the Super Bowl, and uh, every year <laughs> since then has been pretty rough, pretty rough. Well, the silver hey, lining is that is at least you're not at least you're not Detroit. At least you're not Detroit. Hey, That's be grateful. At least you're not so Detroit. In so many ways, in so many ways, <laughs> I'm grateful I'm not Detroit. I'm sorry, I just lost all my listeners in Detroit, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, they're not. They're they're sitting there laughing, going, "Hey, look, you're gonna laugh. We're gonna have the last laugh because look how good they did last year. They're yeah, good." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it, it doesn't take much to get the bar above the Bears. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's been great, great talking to you. Thank you so much. Great talking to you, Jay. This has been really great. Uh, uh, 
And again, I, I really appreciate it. And and follow me, follow me on social media, Mel TV Live, Mel Wingfield. Google me, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, friend me. Watch the Lily Baseball games. Watch, I interview a guy that's a boxer. He's got a big fight coming up. His name's Quentin Rankin, USPF light heavyweight champion of the world. And uh, and I interview him before all his fights. So follow me, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Mel Wingfield, Mel TV Live. Absolutely, it's worth checking out. I spent like the last two days. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching them. Uh, it's re- it's funny and it's interesting and positive. So thanks again to Mel Wingfield, Mr. Mel TV Live, for coming on the show today and for being so open and honest about his experience. I have no doubt that uh, Mel lit a fire under more than one person today. Um, And I think this is going to have a positive impact on anyone who listens to it. I know that I found his story truly inspirational. And man, did the two of us talk really fast. If you, too, uh, learned something or enjoyed what you heard today, um, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of those other places I mentioned earlier. It only takes a minute, and it really, really helps new people find the show. And if you write a review, I may even read it on the podcast next week. If you would like to go a step further in helping to support my effort to destigmatize addiction and to spread kindness, positivity, and hope, feel free to click the support the podcast link in the episode notes. Also, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or about my book that you'd like to share with me, or if you'd like to be a future guest on the podcast, perhaps, please feel free to drop me a note at betweenthelinesmemoir at gmail.com. Or just spread the word. Tell a friend if you have one, or if you are short on friends, go tell a whole bunch of strangers. Or even better, share this episode on your preferred social media outlet, like I'm sure Mr. Metal will be doing. Most of all, thanks to each and every one of you for listening today. And in the wise, wise words of my Uncle Dave, keep it simple, be humble, and hope for the best. See ya.